welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, I hope you had a great Christmas week. And uh, this right here, this is the week between Christmas and New Year's. And typically, a lot of us, we are, we are reflecting upon the past year and we are assessing the actual New Year. What is to come, what, what, what God has in, in, in store for us. And uh, when I think about reflecting upon and, and actually assessing this past year, how many of you can honestly say, I reached all of my goals I set for 2014? Raise your hand. This is the third service where no one has raised their hand. We need some prayer. Holy cow. Okay. Uh, okay. How about this question? When you think about your year, can, 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 you, can you honestly say, you know what? It's been a good year. God has been good to me. It's been a good year. You think back and reflect. Yeah, most of us, almost all of us are raising our hand. It's been a good year. Maybe you didn't essentially reach all of your goals. You didn't get everything accomplished in this year. But when you reflect, you can say, you know what? It's been a good year. And I think about my past year, and uh, it's been probably one of the most challenging years, yet one of the most ch- uh, rewarding of my whole life. Uh, I just, just, God has brought us through just a lot of unique situations, and uh, the year didn't have a lot of goals. We didn't have a, a huge list of goals, but we had a lot of decisions that, that, that myself and my wife made at the first year that, that really shaped uh, all of 2014. And so it was, it, was, it was a great year for us on a personal level, just God's faithfulness, God's provision. Uh, I think about work, and there were a lot of goals with church, and this is a big part of my life and, and, and uh, Hannah's life. And I think about church and uh, all the goals that, that, that were set out, most of them were accomplished. We, we got a lot accomplished. You look around this room and, and you see that God has grown the campus and we, we see just God's favor upon what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish here uh, in, in, in this actual community. Um, I think about uh, the staffing transition. Some of you may, may have already added it up, but we have subtly have, we, we've subtly had six different staffing transitions at the campus. Some were, were painful. If you think back, uh, early, uh, early summer, we had a really painful transition. Most have been amazing. Pastor Jesse, you, you fit in that category. You have been an amazing staff transition. But we, we've, we've acquired new staff and just seen great things happen uh, with growing our staff. And, and I think about the building, the actual building project, and that, that's a first uh, thing for me, opportunity for me to be a part of. And for many of us, th- this will be our first time moving in to a brand new church building and experiencing God's favor in that regard. So it's been a great year on a, on, on a personal level and, and, and within church work. But we're at a time of year when we got to put a bow on it. And, and, and you think about your life, and I don't know what, what has happened this past year for you, but it's that time of year we got to wrap it up. We got to put a bow on it, and we got to say, you know what? It's been a good year. We're going to put it to rest, and we're going we're gonna to set goals for the new year. But I think about this time of year, and I'll be honest, I think about this time of year, and I feel like we kind of fizzle out. You, 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 you get to the end of the year, and you check the list, and it, it, things just kind of, they kind of whimper out. And to me, that feels anticlimactic. I feel like there should, be, there should be more to it, even if we didn't accomplish everything on our list for the year. Even if it was, even if it was a challenge in your, there should be some sort of, of celebration, some sort of, of, of achievement party or what have you that really culminates and makes the year feel special. And so I just, I just I, 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 the, the question that I want to ask right now for us as we think about this past year is that how do we wrap up a year and all that we've accomplished in a godly way. 
what's the best way to wrap up the year? Because I, I don't think God intended for the year to, to, simply, to s- simply fizzle out and just kind of be done and then we kind of move on. I think God really wants us to celebrate what, 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 the, what the year has represented. And so we're, we're going to go to Scripture. Uh, Solomon has an amazing passage where he shares a best practice with how to wrap something up. And, and uh, Solomon, if you didn't know, he's extremely wise. One of the wisest person to actually walk the earth. Uh, he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and just a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience that he has that he brings to the table. And uh, one of the most amazing moments he had in his lifetime was when he dedicated God's temple. He had a moment where he was able to gather all of Israel for a dedication moment. And it was powerful. And what happened is that, is that he set out to accomplish the goal that his father David uh, what was, was asked to do, and that was to build the Lord a permanent place, a temple. And so, so seven years went by, and there was hard work, hard labor that was taking place. At the end of the seven years, the temple was finally done. Solomon calls all of Israel, the whole nation, to that actual place. And they have a dedication like the world has never seen before. And so what happens is, is that, is that he, he gets all of Israel together. The Ark of the Covenant is brought, which actually housed God's, God's presence, is brought into the temple. And, and God's presence literally fills that place for all of Israel to see. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 10. When the priest came out of the holy place, which is the actual temple, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because the cloud... Because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. So think about that. They're having a moment where Solomon is dedicating the temple back to the Lord. It was seven years of hard labor, right? He, they, they, they get the temple actually built. They, they bring in the ark. God's presence fills that actual temple, which says that God was pleased with what was actually built. Some would say, you know what? Mission accomplished. We, we can walk away, Solomon, great job. Uh, everyone kind of has their moment and then they leave. But Solomon said, wait a minute, there's more. There is more. And, and here's the deal. When, when, when I look at this passage of scripture and what God is, is speaking to us, Solomon understood something that was very significant when it came to wrapping something up. When it came to putting a bow on work, Solomon understood this. The work was finished, but he realized that all is in vain unless the Lord blesses the work. So the work was done. He, he accomplished what he set out to do. And God's presence, again, was affirming, I'm pleased, this is good. The work was done, God was in it. But Solomon understood, we need blessing. We need God's blessing in order for this to be complete. We need to, if we're going to put a bow on it, we need God's blessing. We need God to, to essentially affirm that, that he is pleased with it. And then we can move on. So again, I think about us. We, we come to the end of the year, we get out our, our goal sheet, we write down all the things we've, we've accomplished, all the things that have happened, we check off the things that maybe we felt were good, and maybe we pat ourselves on the back, other things we, we get to, and we're like, oh man, that happened, and I squandered that, and I, I didn't actually reach that goal, and maybe we, we, we uh, lament a little bit about things that we weren't able to accomplish, and, and maybe we, we might offer, offer up a, a token prayer, but for the most part, we kind of go through the list, check it off, lament, and then we move on. We simply move on. And again, I think what we're learning here in Scripture is that there is a moment when we ask for God's blessing and we celebrate what he's actually done. So before we wrap up, 
2014 that is almost out the door, we need to pause and ask for God's blessing upon our work and what we've truly accomplished in 2014. So we're going to look at Solomon's story of, of, of dedicating the Lord's temple. So before we jump into scripture, you need to know he just wrapped up an amazing prayer, dedicating the temple back to Lord. So he prayed over it, prayed over the people. And then this is what happens. He says, it says this, having finished praying to God, all these bold and passionate prayers, Solomon stood up before God's altar where he had been kneeling all this time. His arms stretched upward to heaven. Standing, he blessed the whole congregation of Israel, blessing them at the top of his lungs. So he's, he's projecting out God's, God's blessing, God's favor. He says this, Blessed be God who has given peace to his people Israel, just as he said he'd do. Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he spoke through Moses has misfired. May God, our very own God, continue to be with us just as he was with our ancestors. May he never give up and walk out on us. May he keep us centered and devoted to him, following the path he has cleared, watching the signposts, walking at the pace and rhythms he laid down for our ancestors. And let these words that I have prayed in the presence of God be always right there before him, day and night, so that he'll do what is right for me to guarantee justice for his people Israel, day after day after day. Then all the people on earth will know God is the true God. There is no other God. And you, your lives must be totally obedient to God, our personal God, following the life path he has cleared, alert and attentive to everything he has made plain this day. The king and all Israel with him then worshipped, offering sacrifices to God. Solomon offered peace offerings, sacrificing, get this, to God, 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep. This is how the king and all Israel dedicated the temple of God. They started out celebrating for seven days and then did it another seven days. Two solid weeks of celebration. Then he dismissed them. They blessed the king and went home, exuberant with heartfelt gratitude for all the good God had done for his servant David, for his people Israel. So they're having a moment together where they are dedicating the work of their hands back to God and they are celebrating, they're having a feast, they're having a party as they celebrate the good things the Lord has allowed them to accomplish. Here's the wisdom that we find in this story. Again, we're kind of extracting some, some, some principles, some truth. The wisdom in the story is this. Whatever we accomplish, we must see it as a demonstration of, a God's, of God's faithfulness rather than a performance of our own ability or hard work. Whatever we accomplish, we must see as a demonstration of God's faithfulness rather than a performance of our own ability or hard work. I think there's an amen for that one somewhere. Somewhere, I, I just heard something. It's good. So here's the deal. When you think about your past year, 2014, all the things you accomplished or maybe even the things that you felt you squandered or, or got away from you, all of those things, God gets the credit for it all. We give God the honor and glory for the great things he's allowed us to do. We don't take credit. We don't take credit because really at the end of the day, we're not that good. We can't orchestrate this life to bring about the benefit and the gain that God gives us. We can't do that in our own ability, in our own strength. I think about a really basic illustration of, her mom, of, of a mom or dad helping a child bat. Learn how to hit a ball. So, so mom or dad, 
Your kid's trying to hit a ball. They can't hit it. They're, they're crying. They're fussing. They want to be like, like the people that see on TV, the baseball players. So you get over there. You, you take the bat. You put the bat in their hand. The bat's in their hand. They feel like they're in control, right? And then mom and dad, you come from behind them, and you grab hold of the bat, and you pull it back. And as the ball comes, you guide that bat to hit the ball. And, and, and when, when that ball actually hits the bat, you provide the power to drive through. And then you provide the direction that that ball is actually going to go within, right? So mom, dad, as, as, you, as, you, are, as you are allowing your child to feel, to feel the, the, the freedom and experience of accomplishing something, you know you're providing the guidance, you provide the power, you provide the direction that that, actually, that, that, that ball is actually going to go. And the kid hits it, throws the bat, because they don't know any better. They just whip it you know they chuck it and they run around the bases and they are so excited because they feel like they just accomplished something amazing they hit a home run right they, they are loving it and you are pleased as a parent same deal god puts the bat in our hand he, he puts the opportunity in our hand and and, and as we pull back and, and and give it our best effort god guides us he directs us he gives us the increase and, and the opportunity to excel and then god puts us in the direction that he wants us to go God gets all of the credit. God gets all of the glory because without him, we can't hit the ball. Without him, we cannot succeed at the level that God has called us to. So really, for those that feel like, man, 2014 was a great year. It was a highly successful year. Get this, for, 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 the, for those that, that feel that way, the more you accomplish, the more God enables you to do, the more praise you should give him. Because man, if you feel like life has been good, 2014 has been amazing. Guess what? God provided the opportunity, the increase, puts you in the right direction for you to accomplish all that you did. Therefore, God should get all the praise, all the honor, all the glory in our lives. So Solomon, he saw the temple in its complete state. He saw God in, in actually inhabit the temple. And he said, you know what? This is amazing. This is amazing. Despite the seven years of hard work, of hard labor in my back pocket, I take no credit. It was all God. God, God, God provided the vision. God provided the, the actual resources. It was God that allowed me to accomplish what I was able to do. And he gave God the glory. So we need to dedicate what we've accomplished in 2014. We need to dedicate it all back to God. Say, God, it's yours. God, you have provided. God, you have led me all, all this way. God, I give it to you. God, no pats on the back. It's for you. So we got some takeaways, some basic takeaways from this actual text. They're a little meaty, so I need you to, to stick with me. But here, here it is. The first thing is this. Solomon had a heart of humility that allowed him to worship publicly. Think about it. It says in verse 56, or I'm sorry, verse 53, he was on his knees in thankfulness with outstretched arms. He was on his knees thanking God in front of the whole nation of Israel. When was the last time you were on your knees thanking God? An act of humility, right? I, I, think, I think for some, we need to take that posture uh, uh, in, in our hearts and maybe even physically on our knees of saying, God, wow, what an amazing year. God, I humble myself. King Solomon, extremely wise, he got on his knees and he said, God, I give you praise. I thank you for what you allowed me to do. And then he gave public worship. He didn't care what people thought, what they said. He gave public worship. When I think about that, I think about um, there are people in your life that are searching for answers. 
and they see your success. They see how, uh, how there's been provision, how there's been gain and, and opportunity. Maybe they even see how you carry yourself. There's just a piece about you. And they're like, what's the deal? I don't get it. Like everything that guy touches turns to gold. And that mother has just the perfect kids. And she's so good at being a mother. And, and that person just has a, a peace upon them despite the craziness in life. And they're wondering, what's the deal? What, what, what is the secret to their success? So when they see your success and then you go public with the secret to your success, it's like, okay, the world is searching for answers and you have the answer. So for some, you got to let your coworkers know, hey man, we had a great year in 2014. We saw, we saw a lot of increase. The company moved forward. You just need to know it's God. God helped us. And they, be, they may be like, what are you talking about? Like you, you never talk about church or God, but you need to go public with, 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 with your praise to God and let others know. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Go public with your worship. Because again, I just think there are people, they are looking for answers and when they see your good work, when they see your success, and they hear that it's because of the Lord, it will point them to God. God can use that. Next thing that, that we learn from Solomon is this. Solomon gave praise where praise was due. Verse, verse 56 says, Blessed be God who has given peace to his people Israel, just as he said he'd do. And throughout that scripture, throughout the whole text, you see just a tone and tenor of praise and worship. I mean, it is, it is wrapping up an amazing uh, season of, of, of building, but there is this praise. He's not speaking of himself. He's speaking of God, and there's praise upon his lips. And something that is extremely interesting with that passage is, is uh, he says, um, blessed be God who has given peace to his people. Here's the deal. Israel was extremely blessed in that season. There is prosperity. There is wealth. There is riches all over. They were not lacking anything. God had blessed and provided in miraculous ways. The one thing that Solomon pulls out of that actual season to praise God with is peace. He says, God has provided peace. Never undervalue peace in your life. If you're experiencing God's peace right now, that is a gift. That's not just like, well, the kids are being good, and I, I, guess, I guess life's, life's okay right now. We're in, a, we're in a steady season. It's not just some, some random thing. God has blessed your life with peace. The Israelites experienced peace. Solomon realized despite all the, 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 the riches and the wealth and the things that we're experiencing, the one thing I want to praise God for is peace. Despite all the things that have happened in my life this past year, again, it's been challenging, but yet very rewarding. The one thing I've noted all along is there's just been a peace of God in my life. And it's, it's been in my home. It's been in my marriage. It's been in the workplace. The peace of God has been upon me. And I've just, I've praised God uh, th- this whole year for that. It's, it's been amazing. Because when there's peace, it sustains you despite what's going on. None of that matters. You can't put a value on peace. So if you got peace, you got to give God some praise uh, today. Here's the deal real quick before I move off this with giving God praise. Uh, Pleasure. If you're experiencing pleasure in your life, you should always praise God. If there is pleasure in your life, there should be praise. If you can't praise God for your pleasure, it's probably sin. Just going to say it like it is, right? If you are experiencing something in your life, you're like, wow, this is amazing. God, thank you for this vacation. God, thank you for this, this night out. Thank you for this relationship. Thank you for this increase. If you can't find the ability to praise God in, in, in the midst of your pleasure, 
chances are it's probably sin. You, you, you have either misused a resource, you have walked into something that is out of God's will, and it may be pleasurable in the moment, but you realize in your heart, like, I can't really turn to God in this moment because it doesn't honor him. It doesn't glorify him. And so, so you just got to step back and assess, God, everything that I have, all of my pleasures, I should find praise that I can offer to you in that. Can I get another amen? All right. All right. There it is. It's good. Hey, next thing. Solomon's generosity towards God was extravagant. I love this one. And, and I got to be honest, I haven't fully unpacked um, the, the significance of this text because it, it really is mind-blowing. And I just, I got to pray about it more and just figure out, God, what does this mean for my life and for us as, as a society? But um, verse 63, Solomon offers a peace offering that is from another world. Seriously. He offers a peace offering, and you can see it, verse 63. It says that uh, Solomon offered peace offerings, sacrificing to God 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. This is how the king and all Israel dedicated the temple of God. So during a lean year, if a king were to offer this amount of cattle and sheep, it would have depleted all of their livestock, wiped it all out. It was a season of excess and of blessing and of favor. So there was abundance. So the king's like, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're going to slaughter 22,000 cattle, 120,000 sheep. That's obscene. That's ridiculous. Moses, at his best day, offered a couple thousand. He's doing 120,000. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Staggering. Here's the deal. There's significance in, in this. The peace offering was an offering that was not required. So it wasn't like, hey, uh, Old Testament ordinance 2.589 section B, erect a temple and then give a peace offering, was not required. This came out of the goodness and of the desire to worship out of Solomon's heart. He just said, we got to do this. Everyone's like, what is he talking about? Like, that's a lot of cattle. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of meat. You kidding me? But he did it. And here's the deal. When he was able to offer that amount of cattle, the peace offering was the one offering that everyone could eat from. So he offered this amazing act of worship because he had a desire to praise God, to worship God. He offered this up. And when he offered this up, all of Israel was able to feast for two solid weeks. They, 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 were, they were feasting, like none other, it was Fogo de Chao on steroids. I'm not kidding. Fogo de Chao, if you've never been there before, it's a, a Brazilian steakhouse. All you can eat, they have these little cards that you turn over and it's either green or red. It was green for two solid weeks. And they just kept on eating and eating. Fogo de Chao actually means peace offering. I don't know if you knew that or not. Teasing. Tea is a joke. Some of you that are Brazilian are like, no, no, he's lying. But they were, they were eating so much food. It was amazing. And they, 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 could not, they could not believe what God was actually doing in their midst. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Again, I think there's so many takeaways I get to fully understand. But one of the takeaways is this. Solomon's generosity towards God blessed hundreds of thousands in the process. A whole nation benefited from his giving. Again, think about this. His worship was towards God. His generosity was for God. But in the midst of worshiping God, thousands upon thousands upon thousands benefited. 
We need to get a vision for our generosity towards God. When we, when we give generously towards God and it's, it's com- it comes from a heart of worship, people will benefit, not just a, a handful. I believe thousands upon thousands will benefit when we give God, when, 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 when we give God our worship generously. I really believe that. I believe that God does something. It's a supernatural thing that when we are generous towards God in our worship, people benefit. I love it. So because of Solomon's worship and generosity, everyone went home with a heart full of gratitude. Everyone. Everybody saw what God had done. Everyone saw uh, Solomon's amazing generosity and people were blessed by it. One last principle I'm going to pull out real quick out of this passage. Um, you, 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 you just need to digest this if, if, if you feel that God's blessed you today. Where God sows generously, he desires to reap generously. Where God sows generously, he desires to reap generously. So if you're here today thinking, man, I feel blessed. The home, uh, the job, uh, our health, uh, just provision. God has blessed us. He has sown into my life generously. Just know the biblical principle is that God, when he sows generously, he desires to reap reap generously. And so we just got to be positioned. We're saying, God, I give you my worship. God, I give, I give you my praise. And God, I also, I give you my life. Everything that you've given me, God, it is yours. God, I, I, wanna, I wanna give back to you with a generous heart. All right, so as we kind of come, come to a, a conclusion here, here's my thought. Just like when God's presence filled the temple, we should be able to see God's presence in all we do. We should look back and see God's present, presence in every goal and endeavor in 2014. We should look back. We should see God in every area. And for some, as you think about when you, when, when you actually look back upon your life, you're like, man, I see God in some of it, but I don't see God in all of it. My desire would be as you shape your goals for 2015, that you would construct goals that God can, can essentially abide within that you are constructing goals and, and you have a vision for your life and you have things that you endeavor to do and you know that each endeavor, each goal, God's in it. I'm constructing this so God can be in it and, 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 and therefore God will get all the honor and glory. So before we actually set, set our goals, we need to assess the year and we need to ask for God's blessing upon it before we can really move on. So when you think about 2014, for some you may find success and gain. If you find success and gain in your life, I encourage you, surrender it to God. Surrender the home, surrender the, the actual resources, surrender the relationships, surrender your health, whatever God has given you that you feel is gain and, and just provision, success. I encourage you, have a heart that says, God, I surrender it to you. God, it's, I, didn't, I didn't create it. God, I didn't bring it about. God, you did it. I give you honor and glory. And God, I surrender it to you. For others, you may find pain and suffering. And if you look back on 2014, it is a year of missed goals, maybe broken promises, maybe squandered opportunities. Maybe you have hardships financially. Maybe there's a relationship or two that has gone, gone south and it pains you right now. You have pain in your heart because you've suffered in 2014. What you need to do is you think about this year, wrapping up this year, you need to give it to God so that he can redeem it. Allow God to redeem it. And redeeming simply means exchanging it for something else. 
You, you give God that pain and sorrow. You redeem it for praise and worship. You say, God, in this moment, I don't feel like worshiping you, like giving you praise because it's been a pretty crummy year. But God, I exchange my sorrow. I redeem it. And God, put praise in my, in my mouth, put worship on my lips. And when we give God praise and worship in the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the sorrow, it sustains us. And the peace of God comes upon you that you cannot put a value on. We want the peace and praise and worship brings about peace when we have pain and suffering. It sustains us. Lastly, for some, you find failure in mistakes. You look back upon the year and you, 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 you see yourself falling flat on your face. Maybe you made an investment. Maybe there was a relationship that maybe you just, it, you, you blew. Maybe there was something that happened. Maybe there's an area of forgiveness that, that, that just hasn't happened yet. You look, up, you look upon the year and you see failure and mistake. And uh, first of all, that's not how God sees you. But when you think about that, you need to say, God, you know what? I release it to you. I give it to God so that, God, you can settle my past. God, I give it to you. We can't hold on because when we hold on to, to, to failures and mistakes, they will hold us back. Oswald Chambers, referring to, to actually handling past failures, he said this, let God's hand reach back to the past, settling all the claims against your conscience. So our mind is, is, is running and we're thinking about all the things that we messed up on and, and things that we missed and failures and our mind is going and Satan's working in the mind and speaking lies to us and trying to hold us back from what God has for us. But we allow God's hand to reach back to reconcile all the past failures, all the mistakes. We don't deal with them. We keep our eyes focused and our attention forward towards God and we allow him to, to reach back to reconcile. Really quick analogy with this. I think about road trips that we would, we would take growing up and my brother and I would sit in the back seat and we would, we would fight and squabble and whatever and you know you can't cross that line brother don't cross it or I'll punch you don't do it and then we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd get in fights in the back and, and my dad uh, had a low tolerance for fighting in the back seat right some of your dads were like that too some of you dads are like that right now but my dad my dad he'd be driving the car and he'd literally turn around it was a miracle that we stayed on the road. He would literally turn around and he'd say, boys, knock it off. And it was stern and it was, it was forceful. And in that moment, he shut down the fighting and the squabbling. That's what God does. When, when we surrender and release our failures and our mistakes to God, he turns around and he says, you're done. You're done. He's going to settle it once and for all. And you, 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 when, 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 when God speaks and, and you give it to God, you got to release it and then you got to let it go, allowing God to clear your conscience. And then you move on in God's grace and God's love. So your past and your present does not define your future. God's marvelous plans do. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. I love this. As you think about 2015 and, and establishing great goals and accomplishing great things, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to do so much through you and in you in 2015. 
you look to him and he sets your pace. He helps you set goals. And our desire should be that God inhabits every goal and dream in 2015. That, that, That should be our desire, that God, every goal, every dream, every desire, everything I aspire to do in this brand new year, God, I want you to be in it. God, I construct every goal, every dream, every desire so that God, you can fill it. Just like you filled the temple. God, I want your presence in everything so that at the end of the year, I can sit back. I can say, you know what, God, thank you for the ability to do what I just did. God, I ask that you bless it. And then God blesses it. And you sense the favor of God upon your work. What a great feeling. Every area, family, career, finances, health, friendship, faith, every area we desire God to inhabit. So here's how we do it. Romans chapter 12, as I close, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take every day, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is how we present ourselves as sacrifices to God. We don't have uh, uh, cattle and sheep to sacrifice, but we can certainly say, God, you know what? Here's my life. I offer it to you. May you be pleased as you bless the work of my hands. That's what I want for us. And I really believe that's the way God wants us to wrap up every year is that we present the labor and our work to him. Say, God, bless it. God, some of it, I'm not necessarily proud of it. Some of it, I've squandered. I made mistakes had some sorrow, some, some heartache, maybe some great success. But God, take, take the culmination of this year. And God, I ask that you bless it. Because when you bless it, then the year is complete. So we're going to stand on up. And uh, in Bible times, when you received the blessing, you stood up. And, and you got in a position to receive. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer, a blessing upon 2014 and the work that God has called you to do that you've accomplished and 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 then I'm going to ask for God's wisdom and favor God's God's directing that God as he puts the bat in our hand that God would guide us give us the power and give us the direction to head in so you should open up your hands receive God's blessing Father God as we assess this year and as we assess all that you've allowed us to do God we take no credit God, we humble ourselves in our spirits. And God, we say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the increase. Thank you for sustaining us despite the challenges in this past year, God. We, we thank you. We give you all the credit, all the glory, God. You are a good God. So God, we ask for a blessing upon our labor, upon our work. And Father, God, all that we've accomplished in this past year, God, we pray that you would bless it. And that, God, you would inhabit every area of our lives. And, God, give us wisdom, give us insight, give us direction, Father God, as we, as we assess 
and make course corrections for 2015, that God, every goal, every desire, every dream, God, would, would be constructed for you to inhabit. That God, we would make room for you to fill every desire, every dream. And that God, knowing that that, that is the purpose, Lord God, you will be glorified in all that we do. So God, we pray for your wisdom, direction, and insight. But God, may you be pleased as we offer ourselves up as a sacrifice to you. God, take our lives, be pleased, and bless the work. In Jesus' name, amen.